Today's podcast episode is brought to you by Houdinki Insurance, a new venture partnering both Houdinki and Chubb, two industry leaders in their respective fields. Houdinki Insurance is a refreshing new way to protect the timepieces we enjoy and collect. It's a true game changer in that it was designed by watch enthusiasts for watch enthusiasts, and it makes the process of insuring your watches as simple as possible by eliminating the typical pain points that can make insuring your timepieces difficult. Stay tuned later in the episode for more information, and be sure to check out insurance.houdinki.com or download the Houdinki app on iOS or Android. Hey everyone, welcome to the 10 and 2 podcast. I'm Kat. And I'm Catlin. And we're here every week talking watches, photography, adventure, and exploring the world of horology. What's going on, Kat? Same old, same old. Same old, same old. <laughs> yeah. This is always the weird part when we're recording together because we've been talking for like hours. I know. And not recording, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's always a little awkward. <laughs> What's going on as though I haven't spoken to you at all lately? Uh, I mean, yeah, I can't really think of anything brand new. I think we'd like, we recorded yesterday. Oh, we so, did record yesterday. Yeah, so it, it's not been too, too, too long. <laughs> Sorry, listeners, we have no updates between yeah. Thursday and Friday. Not a lot happened in our lives. Not a lot happening, although a new Zenith came out and mm-hmm. we can chat about that for a few minutes. What did you think about it? I like it. Yeah. Um, I think that it looks it looks sexy as hell, honestly. Mm-hmm. That white dial looks amazing. The white, yeah. Um, the white is so good. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm a sucker for the El Primero. Like, I've mm-hmm. been, and El Primero has kind of slowly crept its way into my list lately in the last probably year or so. Yeah. And, um, you know, I I love the history behind the El Primero. I think it's just, you know, I think they're, there are iconic chronographs. I think obviously you have the the Daytona. I mean, I'd even argue that the the El Primero is more iconic, you know, yeah. historically than the Daytona. And then you know the Speedmaster and whatnot. But yeah, I just think it, it's such a beautiful watch, and just from a brand that's doing some awesome. Like last year, mm-hmm. Zenith killed it, and then so that far ultraviolet this year, was so good. Yeah, so far yeah. this year they're they're doing the same. Yeah, what do you think? I like it. And and like you, I've always been a fan of the El Primero, but I've never found one that really drew my attention. The, I think it was like the collective group that's out in California. Mm-hmm. They did that like ghost whited version. Oh, that's right. And gray and it was beautiful. But this one I, I do really like because it's a little bit more monotone colors. It's not that blue, red and white. So I'm just not a fan of that colorway in general, but this one I, I really do like in the white. Like I said, it's just, it's stunning. Yes, it resembles a little bit of a Daytona. I don't think that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, never a bad thing, really, uh, with the bezel, the ceramic bezel. But um, other than that, I, I like I said, it's it's very much a Zenith watch to me. Yeah. Still looks like a Zenith, doesn't, mm-hmm. you know. And I will say from photos, I get Daytona vibes. Sure, I will agree with you. But when I've seen this like live in a video, it 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 doesn't look like a Daytona to me at all. So I think seeing it live, seeing the wrist rolls that you'll see people post, and I'm sure there's going to be like a million uh, YouTube videos by the time this probably the episode goes out. But um, 
yeah, try to try to look it up and try to see a video of the watch itself because I think your mind will change a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, what do we what do we constitute looking like a Daytona? Anything with a black <laughs> ceramic, any exactly. photograph with a black ceramic bezel and a white dial has to be considered a, a Daytona. Yeah. Um, we were talking about this. Is it still is very characteristically Zenith. I mean, the subdials are still the same as every other El Primero with the overlapping subdials, which looks absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they they have so much DNA. Yeah, they have the high polished center link bracelet. Who doesn't do a high polished center link bracelet? <laughs> I right hate now? that too. I do hate that. <laughs> I would buy this watch on a rubber strap for sure. And well, just I, never I just the wish they they didn't do the center. And I know that's like their thing too. But I just oh, I just don't know if I could do that. I don't think I can do the center I'll polish links. When it scratches, so there's no way I could do it. Yeah, you know my date just has the clasp is polished, yeah. and yeah, I've had it. We've been wearing it for like over a week now, and yep, yeah, there's scratches on it. I am so yeah. Well, I guess we could just go ahead and knock out a wrist check. Oh yeah, let's that do that. Point. We're so, in the date just yeah, date just. <laughs> All right. Um, I have the the Grand Seiko, the SBGV two four five, and I'm so thankful that it's winter time because mm-hmm. I wear sweaters. So like. My watch is always underneath like a sweater and I don't, I've hit it a couple of times. Like I hit it hard. I've been trying to like pull that sleeve, you know, (laughs) I'm wearing shorts. Longer longer sweater (laughs) sleeves. Um, But I hit it pretty hard today and I was so stressed out. This is the first, I was talking to a good friend of mine and, and he was laughing at me because I gave him grief about scratching hit like him being overprotective about his snowflake. And yeah. this is me. Like I, I'm so afraid of scratching this thing yeah. because the finishing is just so damn good. It's perfect. And I know once I scratch it, like I can refinish my Omegas. I can mm-hmm. refinish my micro brand watches, the Seikos, things like that. They're easy to refinish. Mm-hmm. This I can't do. Like no way. No, not that Zeratsu. No, that, this is how they get to with the service bills. <laughs> They're like, well, I don't even think about service bills. I think about time because I've heard that Grand Seiko takes forever to service mm. a watch. I need them to get a U.S. service center, please. Yeah. For real. Well, speaking of Grand Seiko, and I, we were talking about the Zenith, and I just thought about something. So it's like the ceramic bezel, similar type font, and you know, people think automatically Daytona, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's that Grand Seiko that I like. I think it's the, uh, shoot, SBGN. 003 I'm probably butchering that reference number but it's the the 9F GMT that everyone yeah. refers to it as like an explorer to look alike and I think there's so many differences other than again the bezel is similar to a Rolex yeah. but it just happens. I mean, I think people see one thing and, and they want to reference it to a Rolex and that's just... But I think we have to give watch brands more credit than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just people, you're allowed to do your own thing. And at the end of the day, there can only be so much deviation. Like, let's yeah. be honest. Like, unless you're doing something absolutely insane, which is also going to cost an arm and a leg. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you can only reinvent the wheel so much. I think that, you know... If anything, for me as a watch brand, it would be flattering to, for people to think, oh, you know, oh, that looks like a Rolex. But also, mm-hmm. no, like mm-hmm. they, you know, Grand Seiko in, in that instance, they've done very, very specific things to make this uniquely them. Yeah. Um, and I think almost, like maybe we just need to open our eyes a little bit more yeah. and maybe quit being so trained that everything has to be a Rolex and, and kind of look at things for what they are and not for what you think they're trying to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing wrong if the brand had that in mind in the first place. I mean, Zenith's thinking that there is a void in the market to fill for these people that can't get a Daytona. 
Well, they just served it, yeah. right? So, I mean, ten grand by all means is not easy money to spend, but it's still it's more available. Mm-hmm. I mean, that alone is just is a big step up from trying to get your hands on a Daytona. So, kudos to them. I like the watch. Very excited to see it. Hopefully, we might get. Sounds like we might get some hands on time with it. So. Uh, Ooh, yeah, that that would be a good review, I think. That would be amazing. Yeah. Also, 2021, year of the chronograph. You think so? More chronographs this year? Speedmaster. Oh, oh, yeah. The new Speedies dropped. Very true. And now this dropped. So maybe maybe this is the year of the chronograph. Hmm. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what comes out. I'm excited that this is how the year has kicked out. There hasn't been a lot of new releases, but the good ones. But they're good. <laughs> yeah, they're very solid new releases. Yeah, we got LVMH um, coming up in yeah. you know a week or so. So very exciting. We'll yeah. see what happens next. But it's the end of the month, so we decided, and we yeah. didn't do one last month. No. Um, it's time to do some Q and A because these episodes are fun and yeah, we always have a good time kind of interacting with everybody. I think you guys know that we, we love interacting with y'all. So, um, we just put out some uh, question on Instagram and asked for you guys to submit some, uh, questions for us to answer on Mm -hmm. the podcast. So, um, yeah, you ready to get started? Let's do it. All right. I'll start with the first one. And what we'll do is we'll just kind of knock these out and kind of go down the list until we run out of time, basically. Cool. That works for me. <laughs> no, no madness to it. All right. So at Peter2704, ask. The usernames are always so hard to get. All right. On a scale from one to 10, how much are you looking forward to summer? Like 11. Yeah, I was going to say. let's be honest. It's cold, y'all. It, it has snowed like three times this year. Don't even. All right. So Kat, Kat's a little salty about the snow because... Typically, your side of town, <laughs> my side, yeah, my side of town never gets snow because I live south of Nashville, and I mean just geography, like so, anything south. That's why Tennessee doesn't get much snow because we're in the south. Yeah. Um. So I always miss out on the snow, which I don't care. And Cat usually gets some snow, but this year, every time it snowed, Cat has totally missed out. I yeah. got like I had like three solid fluffy inches of snow what, two weeks ago? And Kat yeah, got nothing. I got nothing. Like, <laughs> literally nothing. I was so mad. I'm outside taking my taking my <sighs> cute little wrist pics and whatever. Like, and, I just wanted and one just day. <laughs> I totally agree with you. I was sitting in the car today coming back home this morning, and it was really sunny, and it was beautiful. And I was like, I wish I was, I w- A, I wish it was hot. And B, yeah. I wish I was wearing, like, a tank top and shorts and just, like, riding in the Jeep. I just want summer so bad. I want summer even more this year because I feel like I didn't get summer last year. Mm -hmm. There was so much going on. There was so much going on. Nobody knew like what was going on anywhere. You know, pools were closed and never made it to the beach. And I know that sounds trivial, but to me, that's like part of summer. And a lot of that is my fault. I didn't take advantage of Mm -hmm. the time I had. We didn't take advantage because we were in like this unknown state, as I'm sure a lot of people were like, you were furloughed, you were back, you were, it's like, we didn't know, we couldn't I didn't know when I was going back to work, when (laughs) I was going to be off work. I'm just like, okay, okay. Yeah, you just can't plan for those things. Yeah, so, um, yeah, more, Yeah, we're both ready. I'm assuming your answer is yes. Uh, Yes, 1,000%. Okay, all right, so from at Doing Time Scotland, what advice would you give your younger self when you started out in the watch hobby? Oh my gosh. This is a good one. What advice would I give my younger self? I probably would have told myself to hold on or no, I actually would, <laughs> I would say to 
think a little bit more about purchases. I did a lot of impulse buying when I first got into this hobby, probably because I just didn't know what my tastes were at the time. And of course I went through the flipping phase, but yeah, I think I, if I was a little bit more thoughtful in the way that I am now, but I am the way I am now because I, I had to go through that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that would be a little bit of a piece of advice. Put a little bit more thought into it. Take your time. Don't don't make those impulse purchases. What about you? As we both made an impulse uh, swatch purchase last oh, December. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but it ended up as a gift, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I kind of think the same. And honestly, the, that's not even as a beginner. I still struggle with this. And this is something that I really am trying to focus more on this year as I just bought a Zen for no reason. But... <laughs> Um, don't oh yeah, me. I forgot. About <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. For those who don't know, I have a new Zen. Yeah, I, a friend of mine sent me his 104 to check out because I've been wanting to check it out. And then he, I feel like maybe he was drinking, but I'm holding him to it. And um, <laughs> texted me like in the middle of the night. I was like, hey, you know, I'd sell it to you for this ridiculously stupid low price. Yeah, like, I'd be an idiot to pass it up. You so are, yeah, you would be. It was, I was super like, cheap. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think I would have said no to it at that price either. Oh, that makes me feel better. Yeah. So I do. I want to try and, and cut out the impulse buying. I think that um, <laughs> no and- more Seikos for me. <laughs> Damn you, Seiko. (laughs) Always launching something new. Yeah. Um, It's hard. And it's hard to say, like, I think, I don't know. I mean, I I feel like, like what you said, everything kind of led me to where I am. So Mm -hmm. I really am one to not, you know, kind of regret things in general. I think I would say, you know, don't be afraid to to sell things before. Yeah. Like I, I held on to a lot of watches for a long time and I still am holding on to some watches that I should just go ahead and sell. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if, if you're not happy with it, just don't be afraid to let it go. And I think just do what you like. Don't don't care about what people on the Internet are going to say or, you know, what what the hot watch is. If your watch isn't that, that's OK. Just just get whatever you like. Yeah, I like that. That was smart. Right. Smart. You, Is it my turn? Yeah. Okay. What do you think Tudor will release in 2021? Same watch, different color. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's tough. It's tough because I realize I'm a hypocrite, right? Like I give Tudor grief for releasing the same watch in a different color last year. Though, even though I love the watch. like I, But they did that have clear. that new, the... What was it called? The PL one the year before. Oh, they had the new like Prince. No, it wasn't called. Oh Prince. yeah, yeah, yeah. The the Royal. The, the Royal. Royal. Um, yeah. Also, not a fan of it. Yeah, but know. it was new. It was new. It was yeah. different. Yeah, I don't. I I really don't know. I would like for them to to kind of explore that collection a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe make it a little bit more uniquely Tudor. I think that I feel like with that collection, they they leaned a little heavy on on the Rolex heritage, you know, that they're associated with. But I don't know. I I would love to see also an update to the Pelagos. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people would. I think a lot of us are waiting for a better size than the Pelagos. And uh, we'll see. Uh, who knows? Yeah. I mean, they've had a long time to figure something out because mm-hmm. Lord knows there wasn't much going on last year. So it'll be interesting to see what happens this year. Um, yeah. What about what about you? Uh, well, I think, you know, with with the release of the Royal and the Royal line was actually like really, really big. I don't think we're going to see anything quite as large as that on scale. I think there might be something new, but it'll be a smaller line or maybe an update. I could see them updating the uh, the 
just the regular black bays, like the 36 and the 41s mm-hmm. that are the non-divers. Uh, I can't remember what they are actually called, but maybe some new colors, maybe a, a, an update. But yeah, like you said, uh, maybe an upgraded, you know, Pelagos and I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. You know, I, you don't expect much from a brand that's very conservative. So I wouldn't expect a lot. A Black Bay GMT 58 would be amazing. I was about to say, yeah. I would love to see a GMT. I don't think it'll happen this year, though. I don't know. A GMT without a Pepsi bezel, to be yeah. clear. Maybe like, a different color. Can we, yeah. Can yeah. we get away from Pepsi bezels and make something uniquely their own uh, is what I would like to see. And now a word from today's sponsor. Hodinkee, the preeminent resource for all things watches, has recently announced a new venture, Hodinkee Insurance. Created in partnership with Chubb, the world's premier insurer of valuable collections, Hodinkee Insurance is a game changer in how you protect the watches you love. Signing up takes just a few minutes, and in most cases, you can instantly protect your watches with comprehensive insurance backed by two of the most trusted names in their industries. In most cases, you won't need independent appraisals or sales receipts, and you won't even have to speak with an agent to get your quote. The ease in which you can apply for Hodinkee insurance and get coverage makes insuring traditionally difficult timepieces, such as vintage watches, better now than ever. Not to mention the added peace of mind that comes with the appreciation protection, guaranteeing up to 150% of your watch's value up to the policy limit, ensuring fair value during an ever-changing watch market. Hodinkee Insurance is available to U.S. residents in all 50 states. Visit insurance.hodinkee.com or download the Hodinkee app for iOS or Android to learn more and sign up today. Okay, from at Bezel Bandit, are you going to launch any merch at some point? Uh, you know, I think we talked about it a little bit in the past. Our focus is, is, you know, media and bringing you guys the best content that we can do. If something else takes our time away from that, I I don't want it to reflect on the show. Mm -hmm. And we both have full-time jobs on top of this. So I, I don't think that we will right now. I won't say that we won't ever, if we have more time on our hands, then certainly I would love to pursue something like that, that we can bring you guys. But, and certainly if something comes along, that's a, that's a small project, but Right now, it would just be really, really hard for us to devote time to that. Yeah. And, and the podcast is our number one priority, so. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we've there's been so much that we've talked about in the last year, but, you know, at the end of the day, it is, like, the podcast is what all of this started as, and it's what I feel like we're great at. You guys clearly feel like we're great at because you listen to us when there's a ton of other content out there. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's something that we're both passionate about, and I'd hate to see that kind of get muffled a little mm-hmm. bit by by, by a t-shirt like, <laughs> or a yeah, hat by something like merch i love the idea about it yeah don't get me wrong like i love merch like mm-hmm. you know Same. just as much as everybody else does but it's just like i said i mean we both have full-time jobs this podcast is a very full-time job also we're both perfectionists and like yes. i wouldn't want to put anything out that wasn't perfect yeah but i will say this if you are someone that that would like to see some merch from us send us a dm of what you would like to see i'm just curious to know what what our listeners might want. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Go for it. Always take advice. (laughs) Okay, so the Watch Potato ask, Snoopy Speedmaster or the Ed White 321? I've been asked this question a lot lately. Really? Yes, a whole lot. 
I think it, it really depends on what you're passionate about, right? To me personally, I'm not passionate enough about the three, two, one movement and that story of just a movement to want the three, two, one. Yeah. I'm much more passionate about the, the NASA affiliation and, and space and things like that. So to me, that's where I feel the Snoopy is the much better option. Yeah. Cause you're, you're more into the collaboration aspect between mm-hmm. NASA and Omega than you are the watch itself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love the watch. Yeah. Like obviously, but yeah, exactly. I, I'm much more into, into the, the things that the watch has done, not just what powered the watch. Mm-hmm. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, I f- feel like, well, also the Snoopy is like they're 5, both going to be hard to get thousand dollars <laughs> less. Um, both probably equally difficult to get. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, what about you? Which, if you could choose one, which one? Snoopy, all the way. Okay, not Why? even just because I like it more. It's okay. more me. It's more fun. And yeah, I, I don't, I don't value the three, two, one movement the way that other people do. And I yeah. understand why they do. I just, it doesn't mean as much to me. Yeah. Same. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think what Omega did with the three, two, one is very cool. I think, you know, the fact that they like, they couldn't even open the case back of the, the watch that they were using. They had to like three, the 3d scan it, like yeah. CT scan it. I don't, clearly I'm not. <laughs> an x-ray technician, um, whatever they did. I, I think it, it's super cool that they were able to do that. But yeah, for me, I'd much rather have the the watch with a story that's mm-hmm. more relatable. So. Yeah. I mean, if you, if I was between Ed White and one of the new brand new Speedmasters that came out, I would just pick one of the new ones. Mm-hmm. I'd be just as happy with it. Honestly, I, I like it more aesthetically. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so from the Speedy Shutter, what's your favorite focal length for watch photography and why? I have I have many answers to this. Okay. Uh, so I think that having a macro lens is obviously beneficial because you can get those really close-up shots. Um, even just on the wrist shots, I think my macro lens helps with that. So then I've got a 30-millimeter macro on my Sony. And then on the Leica, I, I have the 28-millimeter uh, the that has the macro lens on there too. I think another one that is just honestly my favorite right now, it's hard. It's hard because I have two different cameras that have several different lenses. I like a 50, I like the 50 millimeter on my, on my Sony a lot, especially for taking shots on other people, not necessarily wrist shots on myself. I think it, you just work with what you have. And I, I, I don't think that I could honestly have a, I don't think I could have a favorite, to be honest with you. I, I use them all. Yeah, I think it depends on what style of photography you're doing, mm-hmm. like what your shot is going to look like. For me, I mean, when I when I got the Fuji, um, I got it with a 35 millimeter lens and that was all I knew for, gosh, like eight months, maybe something like yeah. that. And I do. I And I find myself sometimes still just going back to now that I, I have that 18 to 50. Like, yeah, yeah, 55 or something uh, yeah, like that. Yeah, 18 and 55 millimeter lens on it. And I still kind of find myself going back to 30 for a lot of those same style shots that I, I did in the beginning. Um, I do like that, but I think it, it's really going to vary. And I think if you're if you're spinning, you know, if you can only have one lens, then I would recommend probably something like the 18 to 55 so that you can have that diversity and you can mm-hmm. really kind of change it out. I still want, I love the idea of macro. I really do. Some of the shots that people get are so dang good, but I cannot do macro photography on one of my watches because I will notice something and that will be it. Well, it's the same when you had, um, 
when you had your Grand Seiko. Yeah. Um, you noticed like a fingerprint or something on mm-hmm. one of the the markers. And that was instantly like you fell out of love with that watch <laughs> very quickly right after that. Um, and yeah. yeah, like we, we you know, obviously I'm, I'm part of these conversations. You had talked about having it serviced or whatever yeah. else, but you know, you just bought it. Why would you send it out? Yeah. For I would have never saw it if it hadn't been for that macro lens mm-hmm. too. So, yeah. but once totally you see it, <laughs> you don't unsee it. And I know. Cause I knew exactly where it was. <laughs> and that's my fear in yeah. life. So I, I like macro photography, the idea of it maybe on other people's watches. And mm-hmm. as long as I never, ever, 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 ever do it online. Yeah, I agree. I'm not a huge macro lens person. Um, they're fun to play around with, certainly. I think I use mine more so for just general wrist shots so I can get really close to the watch. Other than that, I, I don't tend to use it in the same sense that most people use it for in those like really dialed in close-up shots, which I think are fantastic, but they're just not my forte. They're not what I like to shoot. Yeah. So I think we're both a little bit more on the lifestyle side of things. For sure. All right, so... Let's see. From Dborn87. First time, long time. I feel that means first time question, long time listener. Oh, okay. Maybe. Maybe so. <laughs> Do you have any tips or tricks for wrist shots and pocket shots? Yes. What's your tip? Okay. So the pocket shot thing I feel like is that I is has always been a struggle for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I think you've really for me. I have a I have lighting first of all. Lighting mm-hmm. is everything. We've talked about this and this would be the same thing for wrist shots too. Lighting angles, not being afraid to like play around with things. But I have I have bay windows or like a French doors, I guess is the better term for it in my dining room. And so I just put up the screens and that way I have natural light that comes in and it's already a little bit diffused. And my dining room table is kind of perfect height just to prop if you don't have a camera, you don't you don't have to have a camera. You can use your cell phone. Put mm-hmm. a timer on your phone, prop it up against a book, you know, make sure that you're standing where the light is is coming right on at the dial and just kind of practice like even before you you set a timer on your camera, practice some different angles. You're going to look ridiculous, okay? Like <laughs> I'm like throwing some hips like like I'm at a club or something. But you know, you just gotta like kind of practice it. And then once you kind of find that that angle that you like, then just click your click the thing real quick and, and get you a you know have a 10 second timer set. There are tons of like little remote remote uh clickers that you can buy on Mm -hmm. amazon and things like that to be able to do that stuff with yeah it's much easier than the trying to like reach around and like bend over and contort your back to get a (laughs) i know this makes me sound old i i like recently really hurt my back so i'm definitely not about any of a any of that to try and get a pocket shot but to me that that's what's easiest and and same thing with wrist shots you can't Mm -hmm. be afraid like lighting is your friend yeah you know diffuse it a little bit like for me I use the windows naturally diffuse it um and and don't be afraid to try different angles and and really kind of play around with it I totally agree and I think that uh, as far as like wrist shots go because you I think you nailed most of the pocket shot tips that I would say you know, wearing a light color t-shirt, something that's like not super dark in color is going to help reflect. Or if you, if you need to reflect, if you're going to be in a bright situation, sometimes wearing black would help reflect some of those, you know, bright colored, you know, lights and reflections coming off the watch. Um, think about the shirts you're wearing. And also, you know, uh, I think our friend Josh told us this tip of, of putting the, the camera up on your chest where you've got something steady 
to hold it on. And then again, always use a timer. Your shots are always going to come out. I'm so surprised about this all the time. I'll take a shot using my finger on the on the shutter and then I'll take the same one using the timer and the one with the timer is always so much sharper. And you know, on your iPhone, you're not going to be able to adjust the shutter speed. So I, I do five seconds and I literally just hold my breath for five seconds and then boom, it's a perfect shot. So there's there's some tips right there. Yeah, play around with the angles too. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, I think a lot of people get discouraged if they just try, you know, one shot from one angle and mm-hmm. There's a lot of different ways you can move your camera around, move your wrist around just to make the shot a little bit more, a little bit more different and kind mm-hmm. of pleasing. So, um, but play that, especially if you have a, if you're just using your phone, just play around with it. Yeah. And I think another tip for me, what I like to see, cause the iPhone lens can sometimes distort. I'm not sure about the new lenses, but get, get away from the watch just a little bit, a little bit more Mm -hmm. distance between the watch and your camera. I think a lot of people get right up on it and it tends to make your wrist look really strange too. So I think add a little bit more distance there. Yeah. Good point. All right. Was that mine? Was that my turn? Okay. Um, Oh, definitely not answering that next one. Um, okay. So from at gelato mancer, Are your personal styles changing during COVID, watch or otherwise? I don't think my watch style has necessarily changed. I'm still very much into steel sport watches. And I do think my dress style, um, I know Catelyn commented on, I have like this sweater on today and then I have basically like yoga pants underneath. But I, you know, I've, I've kind of taken on this like, I, I don't go out anymore. I mean, we, we just don't go out anywhere. And so my wardrobe has definitely changed. I've bought clothes this year that are just comfortable pants and the nice cute sweaters because like, I'm just not going anywhere, but I still want to feel, I don't want to feel like I'm in my PJs either. That's a big thing for me working yeah. from home. I just, I don't like that feeling on the weekend. It's fine. Like I will lounge around all day PJ sweats, but during the week. Also with what I do, I don't know sometimes if I'm going to have a video call at certain times of day. So I always try to be a little bit prepared, <laughs> not such a hot mess. But yeah, my, my style has definitely changed. And I think going forward, since I'm not into the same you know career field that I was, I will probably kind of keep this type of style, just relaxed and comfortable. Yeah. What about you? No, I mean, I think so watches have really kind of stayed the same. I mean, I don't think that that's really changed much. Um, even when I was home, I wore watches every day, um, mostly because I took pictures of watches every day. So maybe that doesn't really count because I do find that sometimes the only time I, I wear a watch, like on my day off, yeah. might be because I had grinded to take a wrist shot. Even now? On my day off, yeah. I'm just going to throw it out there. There are some days that the only watch that I wear is the Apple Watch. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Guys, don't come at me. Keeping it real. It's fine. Yeah, keeping it real. Now, I will say, I mean, for me, I've been back at work for a very long time. I went back last May. I was off work for seven weeks. But during that seven weeks, I mean, I wasn't wearing a suit every day, but I still made the effort to get dressed every day. Mm-hmm. I um, Just because for me, and I think this is all going to depend on people's personality. I feel like it's easy to get like in that rut of let me just lounge around all day. And I'm not judging yeah. anybody who does it. Like you're way more comfortable than I am. That's mm-hmm. for damn sure. But I just, I feel better if I'm like dressed. At yeah. least like, not like full hair, makeup, whatever, but like some basic, you know, some foundation, a little bit of primer. <laughs> You yeah, know, you're ready to take on like whatever. I'm alive and, and a t-shirt and blue jeans or, yeah. or shorts or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't dress cute to go out anymore. I know. So I don't, <laughs> Kat and I have jokes. We wore a dress one time last year. 
and it was to film a video, and that's the only time I wore a dress. Yeah. So yeah, I miss. I do miss getting cute. Like I, mm-hmm. I have a dinner to go to Sunday night, and I'm like, what am I gonna wear? I haven't like worn cute well, and it's cold too which is kind of hard i hate going out in the cold man because yeah. you got to deal with the coat situation it's a whole thing yeah but yeah i don't know what to wear that's my life struggle right well now. let me ask you this so is there any is there any watches you look at differently now than you did probably pre-covid because i know that you you were you know you were lusting after a lot of doxes and a lot of divers and I think some of the things you've added to your collection even later on last year were a little different than normal. You you got that Atlas, the Monta Atlas. You mm-hmm. now have this phenomenal Grand Seiko that you're wearing today that pre-COVID, I don't think that you wouldn't have wanted as much. I don't know. I feel like your tastes have definitely changed. I don't know if that has anything to do with COVID or not COVID. Yeah, I don't know that it has anything to do with COVID necessarily. I think the Doxa is still on my radar, but... It's hard, right? Because yeah. it's it's so much color and mm-hmm. I want one so bad. But also I know me, like I know that like black, gray, white is kinda yeah. kind of my go to. Um, so it, it really is difficult to to kind of justify spending, you know, thousands of dollars essentially, like sixteen what are they, sixteen, eighteen hundred dollars, something like that. Yeah, I'm always a little surprised um, when I look up doc surprises. I, I always forget. Like I always think they're like <laughs> every time I think like I've got I've got some extra money sitting around, I'll be like, Oh, I'm gonna get this this time. And then I look at the price and I'm like, Nope. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forget that they are at the price point that they are. It's but, not not bad or anything no, i just kind of forget about just, it yeah and of course i can't want the the sub 200 <laughs> which is half the damn price no. i have to want the gotta, yeah you gotta go for 300 um yeah i don't know it, it's a little hard for me i think that's just kind of the style in general the color yeah. situation um and, and kind of maybe more practical every day it's just maybe subconsciously they're safer like mm-hmm. um i know that you know i if I am going to spend money on watches, I want them to be yeah. something that I can wear kind of universally. Yeah. I mean, I know that Grand Seiko goes with pretty much everything you, you wear. Yeah. I'm smitten. Absolutely smitten. <laughs> All right. Oh man, this is a tough one. What are, uh, so from, uh, MC underscore Lyle, what one watch would you trade your whole collection in Shit. for today? Who, why, why, why are you asking us this? I know. What one watch? There's so many variables. Does it have to be the same price point? Does it like I I don't know. Man, I don't like this question. It's <laughs> tough. Do you have an answer? No, I don't know if I could trade everything I own. I don't I don't have that kind of grail. Like I have grails on my list, but like I don't have something that I'd want to get rid of everything else for. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the, I really enjoy variety Mm -hmm. and I do, I have grails. I have stupid, ridiculous grails. And then I have like, oh, it would be really cool to own, like to own this watch. Um, like the, like I do, I love the Daytona. I would love to own one. I'm not spending $12,000 anytime soon. And even then I'm not waiting like eight years, um, to get one. But I doesn't mean I would trade everything that I have now for it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there is anything that I would just trade everything now, unless I could just sell whatever I trade everything for. If I could buy something <laughs> stupid expensive, let me get a let me get a fi- Tiffany stamp fifty seven eleven. There you go for all the watches that I have now, and then turn around and sell that, and then buy all new watches. Okay. 
including the ones that I don't know. <laughs> I'll just, just buy back. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't that's know. A plan. That, that's a tough one. Yeah. I don't think I can answer that one. Could you ever be happy with a one watch collection? I mean, I think I could if I, if I had to, if it came down to like, we were struggling financially or something yeah. like that. I think I would certainly come to terms with that, but uh, I wouldn't do it out of free will. Yeah, you would never want to have a one-watch collection. No, I don't think so. I think I can go down to like two or three and be happy. Mm, I don't even know about three. Yeah. You have better control than I do, clearly. <laughs> hmm. That was a tough one. I that was a like really that. tough one. I did not like that question. <laughs> so let's go to at enjoy.your__time. Um, Black Bay 58 or Explorer 1? Oof. That is tough. I got to go explore one. I think I'm so much more of a fan of that. Um, I like the Black Bay 58, but uh, I, A, I don't love the gilt version. So I would go blue, and I don't think the blue is as versatile as that Explorer one. I think the Explorer one is like the go anywhere, do anything, perfect watch. So I go explore one. What about you if you had to pick between the two? I feel like I'm going Black Bay. Really? Mm-hmm. The blue? I would even do the black one. What? Yeah, I like I like guilt now. I don't know where all of a sudden I like guilt. <laughs> I like it. I like seeing it. I don't love having it. I don't know. I feel like I, I could be very happy owning it. Yeah. That being said, I'd probably own one and absolutely hate it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like the it, it's a more unique looking watch to me. Like it just has a little bit more to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, man, I'm going to get some hate. For this, <laughs> I'm about to say, I feel like Rolex just a lot of their models don't necessarily have anything special to them. Okay, um, that's understandable. Not all of their models. Mm-hmm. I think they they do some models where like it. I think just basically the Explorer One series just isn't that special. Yeah, I mean, so I just want something with a little bit more personality, and to me. That's where I'm going with. Yeah. I mean, and that's where that is where Tudor shines. Tudor tends to have more personality in the watches that are very similar to Rolex, but they're able to go the extra mile where, you know, Rolex is going to be very conservative and have very, very small changes. I think that, you know, the Explorer is such an iconic watch. And I think that just like the sub, they're they're never really going to do like huge things to change it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they are boring. Like they're just they're boring watches and. I'm okay saying that, and I'm I'm okay, okay knowing that I that I like oh them. God. No, they're boring. Hmm. They're boring as all get out. Like I'm like worried about my DMs. <laughs> yeah, and if you want something that's more fun and that's more you and more personalized, then yeah, Tudor's the way to go. Yeah, the blue though is also equally amazing. The blue is really that one good. Still, still makes my heart skip a beat when I yeah. think about it. So it's it was very very good. Mm-hmm. Such a cool watch for sure. Well, I think that about wraps us up. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. We just wanted to to come up and do something just real easy and, and kind of we enjoy these. I like the Q and A. Yeah, absolutely, they're just fun. Um, so head over to our website www.tenandtwo.com. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Ten and Two Media. And that is all for today. We will be back next week with some. I don't know what we're talking about, but we'll we'll figure it out. <laughs> so. All right. And with that, we'll see you later. All right. Bye. Bye, y'all.